Welcome to Creative Edge Writers Showcase. I'm your host, Christy Stratus, author of Anatomy of a Darkened Heart and Brotherhood of Secrets. I'm also the owner of my own editing company at proofpositivepro.com. This show is part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network, and our guest tonight is the owner of A Novel Connection and young adult fantasy author Cassandra Pentakoff, also known on her books as C. Pentakoff. So thank you so much for being here, Cassandra. Yeah, thanks for having me. So let's start out, as we always do, with you telling us a little bit about yourself and especially about your books. Awesome. Well, as she said, I am Cassandra Pentecoff or C. Pentecoff. I own a novel connection, which is uh, basically a company that connects readers to free books that they'll love, also an author services company. I am a young adult fantasy writer. And um, something outside of writing about me is that I am a very part-time substitute teacher for preschoolers, and I am currently on a health and fitness journey. I've lost 85 pounds, and I'm a CrossFitter. That's really exciting. All Thank you. Stuff. Yeah. So why don't you tell us a little bit about the land of uh, Folklaria? That's a magical land. And I know in your press release that it says it's not just magical, but it is deeply spiritual, too. Yes. So anybody who has ever read the book by James Redfield called The Celestine Prophecy will understand when they read my book that that book inspired to um, inspired the land of Folklaria, not necessarily the story of the book, but the land. Um, I also like to compare the land to uh, Avatar, the movie, the, the land in Avatar and kind of wonderland also because it's very bright and um, kind of trippy. But in Folklaria, they, they basically have a really progressive approach to spirituality, um, much different than the, than the trend you kind of see in the world that we live in where um, it's very religious based and I won't get I won't get into religion or anything, but um, it's very much more relaxed and much more um, in folklorea. They have more of a broader outlook on spirituality and it's not so much about rules and uh, guidelines. It's more about connecting to the spiritual world and it's all very individual for each person and June, the main character, as she goes through Folkloria, she kind of discovers her own spirituality while being there. Whereas before she went, she was always very confused about where she stood and she really didn't relate to um, spirituality in, in her own world. So she gets to kind of uh, dive into this whole new world of spirituality and how to connect herself to it. I know that in your interview with uh, L.M. Durand, as you just mentioned, actually, um, you, your series was inspired by James Redfield's Celestine Prophecy. And you mentioned a couple of other things, Avatar, Alice in Wonderland. Um, so I know that in one of your uh, promos, there is a talking mushroom. So I was going to ask you anyway, uh, if, it was, if there was any inspiration from Alice in Wonderland. Could you tell us uh, a little bit about, like, for example, what from Alice in Wonderland, like, is it just the talking parts? Is there anything else, like, you know, talking inanimate objects, anything else? And maybe tell us um, how it's compared to Avatar, things like that. It would be really interesting. Yeah, absolutely. So mainly how it's, 
how I relate it to Wonderland or why I relate it to Wonderland is mainly because, um, as you know, as Alice goes through Wonderland, there's lots of colors and it's very trippy. Um, and it, it has kind of that, um, that psychedelic vibe to it. So, so Folkloria is not as exaggerated as the animated Wonderland is, um, but it has, it has kind of that vibe to it. Now, in terms of Avatar, if you've ever seen the movie, um, the people of that planet are very, um, they're, they're very connected to nature. They, um, they, if you remember, they have a very strong connection to the, the trees and they have a, an enormous amount of respect for nature. So do the people in Folkloria. In fact, they don't cut down trees. They believe that um, trees, the older that they get, they become wiser and they become more um, uh, ener energy dense, if you will. So they don't cut down trees for anything. And this is all very new to June, the main character, um, because she comes from a world where um, maybe they, you know, we don't have as much of a, um, as deep of a respect for nature as the people of Folkloria do. I really like that whole concept. And I wonder, um, did you sort of come up with the idea and then you drew some inspiration from those other sources? Um, how exactly did it work with taking inspiration from those places? Because it does sound like, yeah, maybe it has some touches from Alice in Wonderland and things like that, but it does sound like it's really very much your own creation. Yeah, so I've always had a very large imagination. Started when I was little and it's not really ever stopped. Um, and so, so yeah, a lot of it is, um, my kind of folklore is honestly where I want to live. It's like my, it's like, uh, the land or the world I've always dreamt of living in and I wanted to bring it to life. And yeah, so then of course there was inspiration drawn from other things. Um, now with Avatar, it wasn't necessarily that inspiration was drawn from that because I had hadn't actually seen Avatar when I wrote the book. It wasn't until someone told me that me of Avatar, I was like, so yeah, they're right. It, it is very similar. So inspiration wasn't necessarily drawn from, it was drawn from Wonderland. So I wondered if you had any particular goal in reaching young adults. I mean, we've talked about respect for nature. We've talked about spirituality, things like that. Is there anything in particular you're trying to get across to young adult readers? Absolutely. So, you know, like you mentioned, the spirituality, I think a lot of, a, a lot of people in our gen, you look like you're around my age. Um, so a, a lot of people from our generation and younger generations have a harder time relating to mm, kind of traditional spirituality and religion. And because of that, what they end up doing is they end up straying from spirituality and ignoring it because they're confused and they just don't relate to what they know. And so what I kind of wanted to offer to young people is um, a new approach and basically the message that you don't have to conform to a certain religion or um, a certain spiritual definition that might exist in our world. Um, you know, you can, whatever, whatever way that you connect spiritually, whether that's praying, going to church, um, maybe reading the Bible, maybe just being in nature, 
I've talked to somebody who says that reading books helps them feel close to the spiritual world, which I thought was a cool answer. Um, there's so many different ways that you can feel spiritually um, connected. Maybe it's through, you know, working within your community, volunteering, helping the needy. There's so many ways and you don't have to conform to one certain way. And what's most important is that you're kind to people and that you're compassionate. And if you have those two things, um, that's what makes you a good person and not to feel so um, pressured by religion. And I think that that speaks to me so much because I did grow up in a very religious family and um, they're all really great people. Um, but I just, as I grew up, I just couldn't relate to it. And I got confused. Um, and until I did find my own way and my own perspective on it all. I think that a lot of young adults need that kind of support that they don't necessarily get in school, where we're, of course, taught, you know, here's a subject, here's a subject, this is what you have to learn. But we don't learn so much how to be individuals always, you know, and we don't learn that end of things. So I think that books are an integral part of learning, whether you're a child or whether you're a young adult. So it's really great to hear that you have a very specific message that will allow more young adults to feel sort of free in how they grow and how they develop. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, I know that a couple of your characters are named after months. One is January and one is June. And maybe you say this in the book, but I was wondering if there was a reason why you did that. Well, there. so everybody, all the characters in my book, well, most of them are named after people who are in my life, family members and friends. My husband's name is Danny. He goes by Junior because he uh, was named after his father. And so June is a short version of Junior. And his sister, my sister-in-law's name is January. And it kind of just made sense to have June and January be the twins. And their mom is April, which is my mom's name. And so it all just kind of connected. It made sense that someone with the name April would then name her two daughters uh, month names. Sure. Of course. Uh, I wondered uh, with book two, I know that it's going to be coming out. No pressure, yes. of course, that anybody who's read ah! book one is very excited to read book two. It's going to be called Enduring the Energy. And uh, I wondered if you had any little sneak peek for us. I know that there was, uh, well, let's start with the sneak peek first, actually. Anything about it that you can tell us? Yes. So, uh, my favorite scene to write, actually probably my favorite scene that I've ever written, is when June gets caught in a mushroom patch, which is probably the little excerpt or the teaser that you saw. She gets, she meets these mushrooms who she doesn't realize that when she touches them, they have a chemical that creates sort of a euphoric feeling. Basically, she trips on... She trips on mushrooms accidentally, not in the same way that we know it as, but it's similar to that. Um, and so that's one of my favorite scene to write. It was just fun. But also we have a new villain coming who I just love. He is glamorous and he's obsessed with himself. And if you've ever seen um, the movie uh, Moana, having trouble thinking of his name, but the, the crab, the evil crab from that movie, um, the character in my book, his name is Jables. He was directly inspired from the crab. 
So he's sparkly, he's shiny, he loves himself very much. Um, and he was so much fun to write. And if, if I do have a third book, I, um, I'm kind of sad that, well, I won't say this because I'll give something away. So never mind. Um, also, what you can expect is to learn more about January. You get to know her more. And um, it's hard to say stuff without giving stuff away. I'll leave it at that. You get to know January a lot more in book two. Well, that's a good start. Uh, I know that in one of your reviews on your first book, uh, someone had said that there's a killer cliffhanger at the end. And of course, we don't want to give that away in case somebody reads, you know, hasn't read book one. But yes. can I just ask for that person in book two? Is it resolved? <laughs> can we look forward Absolutely. to a resolution? Absolutely. Okay. Yes, it's resolved immediately. So um, the way that I did it was um, a lot of people uh, recommend not having cliffhangers at the end. Um, but it's, but if you do it, you have to do it in the right way where, um, the, the problem has to seem like everything is solved. So you get to the end of the book and you've had the rising action. You've had the climax. You think that the book is over. And then in the very last part, you realize that, oh, this is going to be a sequel. So it's not like it stops in the middle of the story. So I will say that to readers. Okay, that's good to know. I'm hearing yeah. you say a lot about, for example, um, there's a magical mushroom that's going to do something in particular. And I'm sure that there's a lot of different um, things like that in your books. Um, these different characters who may or may not make it into the next book. And especially with anything fantastical or anything even along those lines, it can be hard to keep track of all of that stuff for your future books. Is there like a particular either outlining or note-taking method? Do you have a way that you keep track track of this stuff um, that works best for you? Yes. So I am a serial outliner. I, I cannot start writing a book without outlining everything. So before, and I think it's for me personally, really important for fantasy too, because you are creating a whole different world and you do need to keep track of that, just like you said. So I start out brainstorming, just putting random ideas out. And then I do have an outline of my book you know, chapter one, chapter two, what happens from the beginning all the way to the end. But I also have notes all about specifically the world that it takes place in, the uh, currency system, the government system, um, the, the types of species that live there, the weather. I have all of that written out into one document. That way I can easily access it because as I'm writing, I do forget things and I do have to go uh, reference those notes? That's a good question. I would imagine, and I always wonder as someone who isn't yet writing fantasy, I always think, you know, I write historical fiction and of course I have to keep my facts straight if it's going to be accurate. And it's the same for really something like fantasy. You're inventing a world and you have to get your facts straight too. So it's always interesting for me to hear how anybody does that. It seems sometimes a little bit overwhelming to have notes for an entire world, you know, and I remember um, M. Joseph Murphy, who wrote The Council of Peacocks, he had said that he has like seven volumes just on his world, you know, just to keep track. It's a world building. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but probably you, probably as you go through the books, even if you have everything outlined, you probably have to add things all the time. Oh, yeah, absolutely. 
Mm -hmm. I would imagine so. I know that you have uh, a short story also in the Wicked Truth anthology, and that one sounded really interesting because the whole concept is villains speak out. So can you tell us what you wrote in that? So mine in that story is Spoiled as a Rotten Apple. It's the story of Snow White told from the Wicked Queen's perspective. And in this story, the Queen is not actually the Wicked One. Snow White is the Wicked One. So she, it starts out with her, with Snow White being a young girl and the Wicked Queen, Clementine, noticing that there's some weird things about Snow White. She doesn't seem to, uh, she seems off a little bit, but she still really tries to um, try to gain her affection because she loves her father very much. And so of course she loves Snow White very much. Well, when the father passes away, uh, Snow White's stepmother seems to have nothing but trouble with Snow White. And it skips ahead to when Snow White's a teenager and basically gets caught up into witchcraft. That sounds really <laughs> intriguing. I really want to know more now. I really like when we turn things around and look at the villain's side. And uh, I think a lot of readers like that too. Of course, you know, there's the TV show Once Upon a Time, which has been super popular yes. for a long time. Uh, is that one that you like as well? Um, Once Upon a Time is one of my favorite shows ever, possibly my favorite show. In fact, my next series that I'm writing is going to have a lot of inspiration drawn from Once Upon a Time because it's going to be a mashup of different fairy tale stories. And I'm not necessarily trying to inspire it from that, but I think it's going to happen naturally because I love the show so much. Yeah, you kind of can't help it when you see something like that. And I have to say that the the whole thing is pretty inspirational, whether it's one character story or just the world that they're living in, even their mm -hmm. problems. They're so fascinating. So I know that yeah. at the uh, somewhere on your website, there's a little promo for that book, th that series that you're working on. And, you know, I, yes. I'm not going to ask you any dates because I know it's a little bit in the future. But yeah. um, I thought it was really cool because I saw uh, it looks like Robin Hood might be a female. So will yeah. there be some role reversal then in that case? Yes, there will be. So Robin Hood is a female in Corrupted Enchantment. And uh, the two main characters are Peter and Robin. They both grew up as best friends in the orphanage. And um, they go on a journey to fight the corruption within their government. I like that. That sounds great. Uh, I think we have something to look forward to there. Uh, are you going to finish your other series before you begin this one? So, yes. Uh, well, so book two of the Chronicles of Folklore comes out this December, and the series is supposed to end there at two books. But there's a possibility that there will be a third one. I just don't know for sure yet. So that's kind of a hard question to answer. If I do decide to do that third book, then I probably will do that before um, I release Corrupted Enchantment. Um, but it's kind of up in the air right now. We'll see how everyone responds to book two and if they're begging for a third one, right? That, exactly, yes. <laughs> Uh, so let's move on to your company, A Novel Connection. You mentioned it briefly in the beginning, but let's hear some more about it. Yeah, so we, if anybody who's listening to this was around when I first initially launched A Novel Connection, you'll know that it's very different from when it first launched. So what it is now 
is like I said before, it's we are a free service for readers. We help readers um, connect to free books that they'll love. We send out to our mailing list dozens of free books that I personally hunt down on Amazon in all different types of genres. When you sign up, you get to pick your favorite genres. And you will also be sent different sales and deals of Amazon books within those genres that you love. And for authors, we offer um, an advertising service through through the um, through that emailing system, the email marketing system, I should say. And we also offer editing. We offer graphic design. We offer web design, um, and a few other author services. Is there anything in there that you're particularly passionate about? I know that sometimes in our jobs we have favorite things that we look forward to doing the most. Is there anything in there that you know you look forward to the absolute most? Yes, every Friday. I, I don't know why, but I love finding the free books um, and sending them out to people because A, it helps me find free books. So like that's where a lot of my reading comes from is, is those books that I find. And then I get to find new authors, but I also get a lot of really positive feedback from my subscribers every single week. I have a specific group of people who email me back every, every Friday and are like, thank you so much. I love this service. Um, so it, I guess, Providing readers with free books and then being so excited about it is my favorite part. Is that Amazon only? Yeah, I stick to, I don't have like a only Amazon rule, but um, I typically, it's just Amazon books. I did distribute my free book on there, which was not distributed free on Amazon, but through the Novel Connection website. And I'm going to ask you this, although you may not know the answer yet. A lot of us are not really sure what it means. Um, but I was just asked this as well um, about Create Space and uh, Amazon, you know, Kindle rolling mm -hmm. sort of KDP rolling into one. Um, I've been seeing somebody just asked me this, and I've been seeing um, a lot of confusion about whether or not, you know, this is going to be a good thing, whether we have to move our own books or whether it's doing happening automatically. Um, how, what, what kind of advice can you give or what do you read it as <laughs> since we're all a little bit yeah. unsure? Well, so I know that create space is an Amazon company and, uh, I, I don't know why they're moving it over to Kindle. I'm sure that there's a good reason, but, um, I don't know. I, I don't think I'm as worked up about it as a lot of writers are. I'm kind of like a roll with the punches kind of girl. And I'm assuming, because from what I've heard through a lot of authors is that KDP paperback is not as is not as good as Create Space. And so I guess the only thing that I'm hoping for is that not only will, will our books go over there, but all the features that Create Space has that KDP doesn't will kind of get integrated into the Kindle paperback um, system. As long as that happens, I'm cool with it. And it sounds like um, our books are going to automatically transfer over. Have you heard that? That's what I thought. That's 
that's what the email initially sounded like to me. Um, it does, I think somebody else had said that if you maybe either have something in pre-order or that hasn't been actually published yet, that you may have to move that manually. Um, but I can't say the email was super clear in that way. But let's take it back to your writing. Um, do you think you'd ever be interested in writing something other than fantasy or young adult? I, I would really like to move into the thriller horror category for young adults. Um, I will probably wait until I'm more established as a writer because I know that sometimes, sometimes when authors switch genres, it will upset their readers because they're expecting, I'm a young adult fantasy writer, so they might be expecting that. Um, and so I question whether or not, I feel like it might be spreading myself too thin. So uh, what I've thought about doing instead is kind of combining fantasy and the horror, so, so like dark fantasy. And I think that that's close enough to what I'm doing already um, to not upset or confuse my writer or my readers. Okay, so in that case, since it will be a similar, not exactly the same, but similar category, yeah. then you wouldn't need to use a pen name, right? You would probably stick Correct. with the same, yeah, name. That's good. That's great to hear. Yes. Um, I think it's always interesting switching into a different genre. Um, it can definitely show more versatility in the author, of course, um, but sometimes it can be an extremely successful transition where you end up with your audience saying, oh, I'm so glad to read something, you know, totally different and to see, um, you know, sort of your take on this other genre. So it can be actually a very powerful thing to do. Yeah. And you know what? I've read mixed things. I've read yeah, do it. It's the best thing that happened in my author career. And then I've read, don't do it. You'll upset your readers. And so I'm like, ah. So I figure meeting in the middle and going to a genre that's very close to what I'm doing already, dark fantasy, would be safe. I've heard both of those reactions to almost everything, all kinds of exactly. advice. Yeah, it's very hard to determine uh, which way to go until you try it yourself, which really mm -hmm. is the same with kind of everything in publishing. You see people say that this kind of, you know, Facebook ads, ads works very well for them. And other people say, no way, it's the worst thing I ever did. Amazon ads all the way. Uh, it's pretty yeah. interesting to see how we all have such different experiences. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. So, well, thank you so much for being on here, Cassandra. Um, where can readers find you after this show? So if you want to follow my writing journey, you'll go to facebook.com slash author C Pentecost. And I'm sure it'll be somewhere in the description, but the way you spell my name, which a lot of people get wrong is P-E-N-T-I-C-O-F-F. And if you want to follow a novel connection, you can go facebook.com slash a novel connection, uh, twitter.com slash ANC free books and a novel connection for Instagram. Now, if you want to, if you're interested in following my weight loss journey, you can follow me on Instagram at c.pentakoff underscore author. So if anybody's interested in that, that's where I am with my weight loss journey. And you can also go to my websites, cpentacoff.com or anovelconnection.com. 
Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the Creative Edge Writer Showcase. This has been a copyrighted podcast owned by the authors on the air, Global Radio Network and Creative Edge Marketing. We will be back on September 20th at 9 p.m. Eastern Time with Tony Phillips. He's the author of the dystopian novel, The Fires of Work, and other books in different genres. So in the meantime, as you know, you can follow us on Facebook. You can look for updates there, and we will see you in our next episode. Thank you so much. Thank you.